Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on guys? Welcome back to another Foul Front episode. Had to stop there. Didn't want to get the wrong podcast name here. Uh, joining me once again is my co-host Thomas from Hoke Outdoors. And we have our first official guest. I don't know what Thomas is doing here. We have our first official guest, Duck Gun Chronicles himself, Jordan. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we had to, uh, you get the honor of being the first ever official guest here on the foul front. Uh, I guess 2.0. The, <laughs> the new foul front. Season improved. Two. <laughs> yeah, new and improved. Uh, yeah, so what have you been up to? Busy summer? Oh yeah. I mean, you know how it goes kind of vamping up to, to season. I mean, we're in August now it's final countdown, just, uh, you know, days away from, from season coming in. I should probably say weeks. It's not really days weeks away from uh season coming in. So, um, vamping up the content, vamping up all the projects and, and getting everything rolling. Awesome. So, uh, Thomas, what have you been up to lately? It's been a week or so since we talked last. Yeah. I mean, same old, same old, just making calls. I've, uh, actually, I started working on my truck build the other day. So trying to, uh, get that going here before everything starts rolling up here. Cause I really only have about, a, I guess like a week and a half now until North Dakota. So I, uh, been putting that off for a little bit too long 
Yeah, that's coming up quick, and it looks like uh, you guys might be getting some more water up there that way, South Dakota, North Dakota, in the next week or so. Um, you know, here in Nebraska, I keep looking at the long range forecast for precip and it all keeps going north. So <laughs> fingers crossed, we'll catch a few good showers here between now and teal season. But uh, let's get back to Jordan. So if you guys aren't familiar with Jordan, he runs the uh, YouTube channel Duck Gun Chronicles and also the podcast Duck Gun Podcast. But what he's probably most well known for is his short bus and armada of boats. I was gonna so, say his his crippling boat addiction. I was, I was, say, I was, I was probably uh, best known for uh, bashing on Matt, but we can go with any of them. Yeah, you, you know, smaller YouTubers punching up at us bigger guys, but yeah, whatever. Uh, no, the the uh, question everyone wants to know, Jordan, is how many boats do you have officially? If it floats, it counts as a boat, I think. <laughs> oh, let's see. I got uh. I got the big aluminum boat, 16-foot boat with a 23-horse Go Devil. I got the Duck Torpedo, which is a handmade fiberglass over wood boat with a 13-horse long tail on it. Um, I'm working on the sailboat build, which, which will be the third mud motor. Um, and it's going to be a sailboat conversion to a duck hunting sneak boat. And it's going to have a six-and-a-half-horse long tail mud motor on it. Um, so... <laughs> I got a lot of boats and trailers, um, which, you know, that's, uh, that's great for, uh, when you gotta do your uh, registration and update your taxes every year. Um, <laughs> and then if you go down to the other boats, I got, uh, I got a canoe, I got two canoes. Um, uh, one is a Radisson or sports pal, same company. Um, or I think they're sister companies. Uh, but it's an awesome canoe. It's made out of, uh, aircraft aluminum. Um, so it's like super lightweight. It's like 50 pounds. They're pretty cool. So, um, I got one of those. I got another canoe that I leave out at the snake swamp now. Um, and then I got the, uh, um, old town, big water kayak. I got the ascend H 12 and I got the, uh, sports pal, um, sports pal from old town as well. So I wasn't counting, but I kept holding up my fingers like I was eight? at least six, seven, no. eight, something. Yeah. Yeah. Eight different boats. <laughs> oh, well, I lost I count. Have, I have a spare, I have a spare sailboat, um, for the builds too. And I just haven't, I haven't done anything with that one yet. So nine Jeez. boats. So I think your wife gets the award for being the most understanding wife of all time. <laughs> nine boats and a short bus. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, Let's just say I, I don't live in um, I don't live in a neighborhood with a homeowners association, or I'd be kicked. Out. <laughs> I can imagine. I can now, imagine. Like, uh, with the builds going on too. Like I've been working on the bus build more, and I've been working on the bus or the the sailboat build, which like I I just chopped out a bunch of fiberglass and foam and threw it in like my trailer in the front of the yard that that needs to go to the dump. So, and I got I got chunks of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so it's it's a mess. Um, Hopefully it's all cleaned up by season because once season comes around, you know how it gets. Oh, yeah. Yep. I just, uh, it took me about a month, but I finally got my decoy room all cleaned up and pretty much the rest of my house. So, you know, I've got one more month of it being clean before uh, everything is covered in feathers and all that good stuff. But 
Okay, so I didn't uh, didn't really share any show notes here with Thomas, so I've got a question for both of you guys. I've got an answer to it as well, um, and we can dive in as deep as you want to on this. What is your most controversial take for duck hunting? Like, what if you were the king of all duck hunting, all the regulations and stuff? What would be something you would do or uh, change to, in your eyes, improve duck hunting? Um, I would change. I wouldn't allow people. Uh, if, if, if the bird lands in the set, um, if they say, Hey bird, Hey, it's still a water swat. Even if the bird jumps up, that's what I would change. Okay. That's not, uh, not <laughs> true, that's, but that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, like, what is the difference at that point? If the bird lands in the decoys, like what is the difference between the person who water swats and the person who didn't shoot it on the way down, but shoots it as it jumps up? Cause they're hey. both just as easy of a shot. That bird could still get away. It's a sporting chance. Um, I don't think so. I, I have, I've got videos of birds getting away from like that, so I know for a fact it can. Yeah, you want it controversial. <laughs> I'm giving you controversial. And okay. When they get up, if they do get away, usually they're leaving with some pellets. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've had this argument maybe. that before. Like, when you jump a bird off the water, not every time, but I say the majority of the time, the bird is going to get up and fly away from you. So you're shooting into its back, which is automatically not a good shot so i think i think it's unethical to jump them up off the water and oh my gosh flying away <laughs> especially yeah. with well. sub gauges anything under <laughs> a 20 gauge and then it should be criminal i'm sure we're gonna get some good feedback on this i think so <laughs> thomas what what's your most controversial waterfowl <laughs> opinion yeah Tom, or if you could like, if you could change change anything what would you do I mean, I got a lot of different controversial ones, but the one I think I actually would do would be to make it just a six bird or just whatever your flyways limit is, just have it be a splash limit. So kind of like how the Nebraska two tier system is with three birds, any species, like I'd say Atlantic flyway, six birds, any species. So, um, get the whole, I don't, I, I just think it'd be better for getting people into the sport obviously bird id is a big thing but i think splash limits would be fine canada has a splash limit for most all species i think they only have restrictions on black ducks and canvas backs so um that's what i would change yeah that uh that definitely would upset some people i know here just with the uh, tier two system uh we, <laughs> there's a select vocal group of people that are vehemently opposed to it and they fall into the uh you know dead hens don't lay eggs kind of category but that's a whole nother topic for another day as for my most controversial take it would be you know if, if i could change everything it would be banning motorized boats for duck hunting oh that'd be a good one and the reason is it would make it harder to access spots. So you basically have to canoe or kayak or rowboat out there. But also on, you know, on, you know, I hunt kayak a lot and I've kayaked out in marshes early and I've had ducks literally fly, like almost take my head off coming at my headlamp or they'll swim 10 yards, five yards right up to the kayak. Cause you don't spook them that way, but you get those big motors that just go and flushes everything out of the marsh so i mean once once shooting light happens then that they'd all get flushed out anyways but you know you might keep them around a little better in that first flight might be a lot better 
give them a little chance to rest too. I could see an argument for like having some like noise, like a a decimal level. Yeah. Where where it's like, you have to be with under, under this level or cause man, I've, I've been out of marsh one time where a guy like he, he must've exhaust must've been just busted. And they came in like literally at shooting light and like, it was deafening. Actually, this has happened twice that I can think of. Um, one time was up in UP Michigan. The other time was when I went to Kentucky for till season. Um, and both times, like just the loudest mud motor, like you could, it, it sounded like they're right on top of you, but just, I mean, and they were hundreds and hundreds of yards away. So it's like, um, I definitely wouldn't take away boats altogether. Um, you know, especially in other places where there's not like access as much of access and there's way more population. Like you got to, do something to get away from the people. So, um, well, no, no, not boats, just motorized boats. Like if you, well, if you want to get boats, there, you, you got to work for it. Well, it's just not going to happen. If someone's like rowing a boat or push pulling out through a marsh, they're just not going to get away the same way you can with a, a mud motor where you can go miles and miles and, and get away. Um, so like I wouldn't, I wouldn't get, get rid of them, but I do think there's an argument for like, Hey, let's make them as quiet as possible. Cause right now nobody tries to do that. Right. You just get your mud motor and you leave it stock and it's kind of uh, however the the engine comes like that's just what you run with. And they're definitely not very, very silent. So oh, we lost Thomas here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Thomas will hop back in or not, but uh, um, have you ever been out in a marsh where like people show up on their boats and they have stereos and they're, they're just blast and stereos rolling up to like, you know, their spot? No, no, I've actually never had that happen. I've had it happen, I think, once or twice hunting. Fishing, it's a lot more common. Oh, yeah. You know, you'll you'll see it fishing, especially like the the uh people wakeboarding or whatever, tubing or whatever. But yeah, yeah I've, I've had it like twice happen during hunting season. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. We've seen it in the summer all the time. Um fishing. You got people in uh with their pontoons or whatever. It could be rock or uh, I mean mariachi band or just just about anything out in the summer. But um you know, come waterfowl season, I really hope that nobody's doing that. It just, it does, I can understand it for fishing, but I, honestly, it does annoy me too. I'm like, why does, why do they think that everybody on the lake wants to hear what their music is? Like, I, I like, I want to be out here fishing and have the peace and calm. Like, if you want to listen to something, yeah, like, like put it quiet. Yep. Okay. So, I guess. Moving on here, um, we've had some requests people uh, have to have people on that hunt different states and uh, kind of talk about their different states and areas. So I guess we'll start off with uh, Indiana. So what's uh, what's what's the uh, public private land situation and like kind of the predominant areas? I mean, you know, I, I watch your videos, so I kind of have an idea. But yeah. for people who might not have seen your videos yet, what? what's the predominant habitat types you're hunting and um, you know, what's the like breakdown for public versus private? Yeah, we really, uh, as far as like public and private, we have very, very, very little, I would say we have one of the worst. Um, we already have like one of the least public land in the country. Like as far as it ranks, we're like 40 something. Um, and like we have a big state forest. So uh, you, you calculate that and it's like, okay, so for waterfowl, it's pretty slim. Um, the only nice thing about Indiana is that they're pretty liberal on their laws for hunting water. Like, uh, you can, if you have public access, you can hunt the water. So same with rivers and lakes, which is great. But then also we live, 
I mean, it's um, a, a populated area. It's a, it's a state that's not known for having a lot of rural areas. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty populated. So if you have a lake, um, it's lakefront property and people uh, flock to those in groves, building houses. Um, so it's really hard, even with like, you can hunt anywhere. Um, but like, do you really want to hunt in somebody's backyard, even though it's public <laughs> land? You know what I mean? Like, um, and so like, it's like late season on the river. There's sometimes where we're around houses and like, it's not what we want to do, but like, there's just not, not the opportunity. So as far as like habitat goes, um, we have lakes, we have rivers. I do a lot of river hunting cause you can kind of find the places where you can hunt on the river. But even then it's, you know, it's, uh, you got timber for the most part on, uh, both sides of the river and it's not unless you have like a, a dam or something like that you don't really have like marshy areas around the river um but yeah so it's it's uh it's definitely not like a big waterfowl state now the one thing we do have is a lot of agriculture so um come late season with all those honkers like i would say indiana is definitely even early season with silage and all that i mean we have dairy farmers um so we do we do pretty good when we can get good fields uh, for corn, whether it's, you know, early season or late season. Um, and then we do decent with the rivers, but everything else I would just say is kind of mediocre compared to most States. But, you know, if you're willing to put in the work, just like anywhere else, you know, you can, you can still have, have some good hunts. Awesome. Thomas, you, did you uh, come up with any questions or <laughs> you just rely on me today? Yeah, just mainly relied on you. I mean, I figured we know Jordan pretty well, so I thought we could just go back and forth. With we, can talk about, easy. we can talk about Michigan because I hunt Michigan just as much as Indiana. So, um, yeah, yeah, you do your uh, chasing the opener. They got three zones up there, correct? Yeah, yeah. Indiana's the same way, three zones. And I will say that there, I should probably mention with Indiana, there is some cool stuff in the southern part of the state that I have not yet experienced, but. Um, there is some, some cool places down there, uh, as well. So anywhere you can find kind of hidden gems and in, in public land, but as far as the whole state, it's just pretty slim compared comparatively to other states. Now, Michigan, on the other hand is, I feel like it's a hidden gem. Uh, it's like, I mean, maybe we don't have the same migration as especially as like central flyway states or even the best Mississippi flyway states, you know, Arkansas or, or Minnesota or, or, Wisconsin, but I, I don't think Michigan's too far behind some of those front front runners in the Mississippi flyway uh, opportunity. I mean, it's, you do have a lot of rural areas in Michigan, especially the further you go, go up in UP, which is a super cool. It's just, I feel like there's a lot of heritage and a lot of history in Michigan as far as hunting goes. So um, not only that, but you have the great lakes, uh, you have what I call the coastal marshes, even though, I mean, coast of the great lake, uh, not to be confused with the ocean, but you have, I mean, you have some cool stuff all around, you know, uh, you got Lake St. Clair is a pretty well-known place as well. So Michigan just has a ton of opportunity. Not only that, but in the Southern part of the state, they have the same agriculture that Indiana has. So it's like, man, if you're going to like, I don't know, just all around, there's so much opportunity. There's so much more public land, but they're definitely stricter when it comes to like their water laws. Um, like you can't hunt within uh, 450 feet of um a place of dwelling which you know i mean 
I, I'm a fan of that. But Indiana doesn't have that strict of a law is what I'm saying. So um, and then on Michigan, if it's a public lake, you still have to have permission from the landowner to hunt that section of the public lake. Um, so they are stricter on some things. But that being said, you still with that with that amount of uh, regulation, you still have way more opportunity. Oh, yeah. And I know I, I always enjoy your early season Michigan hunts up there, uh, I believe, up in the UP or wherever that is, um, with all the trees, like just the, the scenery up there on those little swamps or whatever on the marshes. Yeah, you get just the, beautiful. You get the color change. And it's just, you know, a lot of people, when they think of marshes, they think of like Kansas and the prairie marshes or, or wherever. That's kind of like the marshes you think of. Um, but Michigan has some marshes, big public land marshes. Um, and they're almost like a mix of swamp and marsh. And then they have like big open areas where it is closer to your traditional marsh. But like, I mean, I call them like a, a, a prop graveyard because you have so much deadfall and, and down trees. Like, uh, you guys have seen in my videos of early season. If I go up there compared to just even here, like the number of, uh, of dead, deadfall you run into and, and hit like aluminum props are just, you know, flying off everywhere. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think a, did did you get a prop sponsor for this year? To using stainless steel, um, so a lot of people use aluminum on, um, like the the Taiwan type long tails. Those are like your cheaper ones. Um, you you've seen the long tails that are like really long. Those are like the Taiwan version. They're cheaper. Um, they're obviously imported to the U.S. Um, and so they're just made a little bit cheaper and. So people run aluminum props on those and it's like a shear pin. So the aluminum prop breaks instead of your uh, steel uh, rod that's going all the way through there. So that's why people run the aluminum props. But I just said, screw it. And I've put stainless steel on mine and the hopes that I don't break the whole mud motor. But you never know. (laughs) All right. So I guess uh, you kind of alluded on it. just a little bit ago, but you're, you're, I mean, you're gearing up for your dove and early goose season there in Indiana. And that's, you know, we don't have early goose in Nebraska anymore. We did years ago. And, uh, you know, they, I think they tacked on more days to a regular goose season at the end or something. So I'm not really complaining too much about that, but you guys, at least last year, you had some awesome hunts in that. And that's mainly cut silage fields is what you're saying. Yeah, if you go up into Michigan, the wheat kind of gets harvested too early. Our wheat's getting picked right now. So by the time um, September 9th or whenever our season opens, um, it's it's too late. And the wheat's already grown up with the cover crop or, or whatever else they're doing in that field. So, um, so here, all we get is silage fields for the most part. If you get it, if, if we have a really late year um, with the silage getting picked... <sighs> then you'll still find them like hay fields or like day ponds, that kind of stuff. And you can still find them in the day ponds, but man, you get them in force when you, when you can find a silage field that they're hitting maybe right next to some water or a river or something like that. And that's how it was last year. And I mean, we had the hot field. Um, my buddy had permission on it. And <clears throat> I mean, we hunted that one, I think two or three times. And then he hunted another time without me. And yeah, we were just, when we got in those fields, especially opener, man, they're just dumping in there. And it was, it was insane. Big flocks cupping in double a frames over silhouettes. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I know 
I got a question sure. for you, Jordan. <clears throat> what do you think? Uh, I don't know your buddy's name. It seemed like was last year your uh, first year name, hunting with him. His name's or Devin. Had you known him before? So, um, I, I actually knew him before. So I met him um, maybe like three or four years ago. Um, and I, I met him doing a Facebook Marketplace deal. I bought some decoys off of him from face, Facebook Marketplace, and that's kind of how we got in touch. You know, we're both waterfowl hunters. We hunt in the same areas. Um, and like we talked and like, oh yeah, I hunt this place and oh, I hunt that place too. And, and so we kind of had places that we overlapped in our, in our hunting areas already. And then we talked about hunting and you know how it is. You got your groups and you kind of just keep doing the same thing, but we kept in contact. Um, and then the first person to actually hunt with them was my dad. So, um, I think I went up to Michigan for, uh, like goose closer and my dad was trying to get on a hunt. So he went down to the river and, um, sure enough, those guys were, already set up in the spot he was heading so um yeah then then they kind of put two and two mm-hmm. together that they knew each other and knew me or whatever and so they, they hunted together for the first time but after that we kept in contact and eventually we finally got on a hunt together so last year was the first year that we hunted together a lot gotcha so my my question about that is obviously he had a, he had a hot field i'd take it it was probably not too far from water um and i know you've got some comments from locals in the past about you hunting, hunting the roost water because they like yeah because they like to hunt fields what do you think Devin's opinion would be if you had you know been hunting water around what? there do you think he would have been a little uh, upset about that or? always going to be upset because somebody ruined their plan right and, and I think where you get it and he's not an exclusive field hunter only he's kind of uh I would say he's kind of like me it's a uh, situational you know um when you have bird, when you have birds in a field, if you got permission and they're hitting it a lot, it's like, yeah, go for it. But we hunt those same stretches of the river that the birds were coming off at different times of the year. So <clears throat> like he's not opposed to it, but we get some people around his us that just don't hunt rivers at all. All they are, are field hunters and that's it. I mean, nine, like as far as I know, I don't think that they hunt the water. And so to them, they consider the river a roost and one of them actually it's like you said i had i had somebody message me about it and we're kind of going back and forth and i try to keep it civil i mean i mean we we're bound to bump into these people we hunt fields like we we might even have like double permission on spots actually i know we do you know over time it's just what happens and waterfowl is a competitive a competitive thing you know we're all in it to to try to get the spots and have the good hunts and, you know but you try to keep it civil too but anyways we're having this back and forth i'm trying to keep it cool calm and collected and all that and he's kind of he's he's mad at me because we went and shot a limit in the morning on the river and he saw my social media post about it and he knew that the birds that i was hunting in that area were the birds that were going to his field and apparently they had a busted a busted hunt they didn't really get on the birds so yeah and, and in our conversation um he was telling me i hunted the roost i'm like like I didn't hunt the roost. Like I might've bumped some birds up when I went in, but like his, to his argument, the whole river was the roost, not just. And so eventually I kind of caught on to what he's saying. I'm like, so you're saying the whole river is the roost, not like where the birds were roosting on the river. Cause I, I, I knew where they were roosting and we're kind of in path, you know, running traffic more or less on from where they're coming. So 
Yeah, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a lot. There is a percentage of people who are majority field hunters that consider any water or all the river the roost, even though you know they might be roosting in one exact spot. Jeez. Which I'll I'll do yeah. my best. Like I like to keep an area where they can roost without getting hunted. Um, you know, I'm not going to say where it is. And and we had uh, last year where. Uh, some guys went in and you can legally hunt next to it. And they went in there and I mean, they, I mean, they dropped a bunch. They had a big, a big number. And in my, in the back of my mind a little bit, I'm like, well, shoot, man, I kind of, you know, I, I like to keep that kind of as a sanctuary, but it's, it's free game. It's public land, you know, and then the birds will build up again eventually. But yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was just wondering if he was one of those guys and you had, you know, no, he, ended yeah, he up wasn't one working out a good relationship with him. No, or? he wasn't one of those guys. Okay. Now you mentioned uh, hunting people's backyards and are, you're dropping a video of an uh, encounter you had with one of these <laughs> people, <laughs> correct? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to kind of maybe a spoiler alert for people, give them a little little background on that and kind of i guess talk about that because that you showed us the video it's pretty funny actually yeah so um i'm trying to think what happened but anyways we're hunting on the river and um it was this last year and again like i said like we don't want to hunt close to people if we can help it um but you know on the river it's public land and you're just Sometimes you're around people, okay? That's just how it goes. Anywhere, I would say, east of the Mississippi, just with the number of people we have uh, as far as population goes. So anyways, back to that. Um, So um, we were chasing down a crippled goose, and um, it went like under under the roots of a tree. And so we're in the boat. We get up close to it, kill the motor, and um, I think it was my brother-in-law, either my brother-in-law, brother-in-law or my dad. They finish off the goose, <clears throat> and sure enough, somebody comes down. I mean, their their house was like two hundred, maybe more yards away from the river, uh, but they come down to the river, stomping and all this, and we're like, I'm motoring, trying to get the boat swift current, like where we can get this bird out from under the roots of the tree. And uh, this guy comes out and I can barely hear him, you know, with the motor gun, but he's just cussing us out every which way. And uh, he just wasn't happy. So he, he was like, he came down there. He's like, we feed the goose. They're our pets. Like, like and you guys got to come down here and ruin something that's good. And it's like, you know, most people are, are glad you're getting rid of the geese when they see you out in the river because they go into their backyards and, and poop all over their place and get in their swimming pools and, and all kinds of stuff, you know. Um, so, but this guy wasn't having it. So, um, I tell him that, like, we're not, he's like, he's pretty much telling us that we're trespassing by being on the river, which is public land, like I mentioned before. Um, so I'm like, no, it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not your land, it's our land. <laughs> That's pretty much what I said. Which, like, I can see in hindsight, <laughs> probably it wasn't defusing it to say that. But, yeah, he it just got him more and more fired up. So, eventually, there's just no arguing with this guy. Anything I said, I'm like, this is public land. Like, we're just getting this goose. Like, it, it was crippled. It came down here. Um, but, yeah, he just kept cussing us out the whole way. And eventually, I'm like, all right, we're just going to get this goose and be out of here. And he said, 
he said, don't come back or I'll come back swinging. Or I can't remember exact words, something like that. But it's like, <laughs> we're in the river, like 40 yards off of, off his bank. Like, what's he going to do? Walk on water, like swim out to us and try to fight, fight three guys <laughs> in the middle of the winter in his jeans and t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that's just, there's so much hypocrisy in that. Just like, Obviously, he's probably a city slicker. He thinks he's helping out the geese by feeding them. And in reality, he's causing a problem with the geese because, you know, I'm sure there's times a year where he doesn't feed them and then they don't know how to go find their own food. And then also, he has a problem with you killing geese, but he wants to start a fist (laughs) fight. So that's a typical logic for those type of people. Yep. So I guess uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit, Jordan. What are your what are your hunt plans for this upcoming season? You got any uh, big trips besides like Michigan planned, or yeah. break break it down for us? Sure. Yeah. So uh, first thing I'm doing is uh, um, obviously dove opener. Actually, maybe it's not obvious, but last year I did I did goose opener first, um, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to switch it up because I got a lot of buddies who are really excited for dove season on the first. So I'm excited for that getting on the the dove hunt first thing. Um, yeah. And then shortly after that, I'll be heading to uh, Nebraska for early till season. Um, <laughs> right. Are you packing your pink Pack- onesie? Oh my gosh. For that? Definitely. Definitely. I'll be flagging them. <laughs> no, no water here. There's not going to be any teal. Yeah. But really, I mean, really September is, yeah, we got, we got early goose and, and dove, uh, which is, I mean, it's a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong, but like, it doesn't hold a candle to me. It doesn't hold a candle to, uh, the, the big duck season. So especially like, like I love wood ducks. I love teal. I love big geese. I love dove, but like nothing doesn't like when I get that first mallard hunt is, you know, that's the special one. So, uh, like it doesn't have to be like all mallards, but like, when I think about my favorite hunts that I'm that I look forward to every year, it's the Central Michigan zone where we go to the Big Marsh, uh, and usually it's a mixed bag with like two or three mallards, some wood ducks, some teal. Like I've even shot a hen pintail out there. Like you just get a, a really nice mixed bag, but you get those big mallards, which is like the cherry on the top. So UP yet I haven't really had where we get in the mallards. Um, you know, we get we get a bunch of we get mixed bags like ring ring nuts, ring necks, teal <laughs> and uh, and um, wood ducks. What? Yeah. Which is fine. What is? Which is, you know, it's yeah. those are a ton of fun. But um, yeah, I don't know that that uh, early season where we get in the mallards is just it's getting me fired up just thinking about it. <laughs> what are your uh, dates for early goose in Indiana? Uh, Indiana. It is September 9th, I think, is our opener for Early Goose. When's your closer? Uh, I think it's... I'd have to look. I'd have to look. Uh, I think it's two weeks. Two weeks and three weekends or something like that. I I think that's what our goose Already? is. And our teal is like... I think it's just nine days. Or it's like two weekends. Thomas is going to come steal your spots. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, um, yeah, I'm thinking about maybe trying to make it up there for an early goose hunt oh, yeah. if you'll have me on my way back to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah Tommy, you got through. You got to help show people how great Indiana is for waterfowl. I mean, it's a 
it's a sleeping, you know, sleeping giant and a hidden oasis as you, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. For goose. I mean, we, we're, I think we hold our own for goose. Like if you go on real tree, you know how they have like all the stats compiled and all that. As far as like goose harvest numbers, I think we rank somewhere like, like 18th in the country, which isn't bad. I'll take that. So I think for duck, we're like 38th. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't uh, poured over those for a while. Um, what was it like probably California, Arkansas, Texas to the top three for like ducks or something. Just guessing. Yeah. Uh, I think Louisiana's typically in the top three. There might not be any more. Yeah. They don't fly down there anymore. Well, they don't have they don't have the habitat for them down there anymore as well, which is a big problem. Yeah, that's uh, you know, habitat loss is a big issue. Where I mean, all every state and Canada, Mexico, wherever you go, that's unfortunate problem these days. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's anywhere more apparent than from what I've seen and read than the and heard Louisiana Delta, though. I mean. Just the amount of marshland that they lose every year is astounding. I read something the other day that since the 1930s, they've lost enough marsh to make up the state of. Now, is that because of urbanization or what's like, what's the factor behind that? Uh, I think it's mainly two things. And I'm probably speaking out of turn here because I'm not from Louisiana, but uh, it's the levying of the mississippi river which means not nearly as much sediment gets deposited out into the delta you know it's kind of all really channelized and it takes it pretty much straight out into the gulf and then also just the hurricanes they've got they got you know so many direct hits from hurricanes in the last 20 years and each one of those just does a tremendous amount of damage and then i'm sure the nutria don't help as well because they eat the marsh grass and the roots and stuff. Okay. But we'll have to get a Louisiana waterfowler on here to really educate. Yeah, for sure. If you guys listening, know any Louisiana waterfowlers, yeah, that'd be, I mean, that'd be, that'd be a fun one to do. Talk about all their, uh, the Cajun names for everything down there and all the, they got some good recipes for (laughs) well everything down there. They're, Really good cooks. Gumbo, so. duck gumbo, gumbo and uh, jambalaya. jambalaya. I, I'm hungry now. I see. I haven't ate yet, so <laughs> making me hungry. But uh, hot dish. Yeah, I don't know. If, I thought that was. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, no, that. that's that's a north central uh, name for casserole. I can't. I don't call them the Midwest. Nebraska is the Midwest. Oh, we don't call it hot tissue there or here. We call it casserole. Okay, it must just be like a Minnesota Wisconsin thing then. It's just a Minnesota thing, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Well, we need a Minnesota hunter on now too. See, we we got a basically. We just need a list of every you know someone from every state on to talk about different stuff. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, not really sure what else. Matt, I have a, I have a, I have a okay. question for you. How long do you think your decoy room has to live? What do you mean? Because from my under, my understanding, you're uh, you're in a little bit of a relationship currently. Well, so see, she has a house, like a big house with spare bedrooms. You're the only person. 
<laughs> you're the old, you're still the only person I know who has a deep <laughs> in the house. Room, so I'm gonna be int- yeah. Uh, you're I'm gonna be interested to hear if your uh, your girl is quite as understanding as Jordan's wife about all the gear that comes with such a she's well she's already seen it like she's been up here and helped me rig up decoys and stuff and uh she's like you know if you ever need more room you can put stuff in my garage and stuff so like i gotta move decoys down to her place (laughs) but yeah i mean that's that's part of how i cleared it out is like i got other places to put all my stuff now so now i can get more stuff i think that's that's how that works out right (laughs) but uh, you ever have a split man you'll never see that stuff again (laughs) <laughs> you no, he's gonna he's gonna see it on craigslist for about ten dollars for the entire lot and it's just gonna be hey crying. now she listens to these podcasts so don't be giving her ideas <laughs> yeah if you ever uh, if you ever want don't want matt to hunt just hide his stuff <laughs> Hold him i'll hot. still hunt i'd still go out i'd once i have a gun i guess but <laughs> even if she hit all your pink onesies <laughs> You got, okay, you got to fill people in on this yep. this pink onesie thing because I'm sure they're like, "What is he talking about?" Nah, it's just <sighs> your uh, favorite attire. No, okay, I'll do it then. So Jordan thinks it's so easy to hunt in Nebraska. You could go out in a pink onesie and shoot a limited ducks like nothing. It's uh, obviously an exaggeration. If you want to kill birds, obviously Indiana's the place to be. <clears throat> I mean, you just backyards. I don't know. You did. You did. You did just kind of admit that you could go out there and pass shoot and shoot birds with no decoys. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't I pass think, shoot. I'd go out and like, think, I'd make my own decoys or, you know, I've got buddies with decoys. I could call if, if all my decoys were gone, I wouldn't need to go, you know, I want to need all my decoys. I have other avenues to acquire decoys. <laughs> Now you got me thinking, Matt. I really want to see. It. I think you have the craftsmanship to do it too. I want to see you go out and make one of those marsh grass decoys, like how the Indians <laughs> used to make, and hunt o- over those and see if you can kill one of the birds in Nebraska. I've seriously thought about that. Like that'd be. So, I mean, I thought about like carving them out of cork and stuff too. I just don't have time. But I think you should do making the, them uh, the pop bottle, just like spray paint pop bottles black. No. <laughs> no. No, I'm not gonna do th- that. Probably would work in the sandhills. <laughs> I mean, you'd probably have to have other decoys as well. But for like a number, if you wanted to make like a giant looking coot raft thing, it might work. I don't know. I'm not gonna go do it because, yeah, I don't drink pop one, and it's a lot of work and paint and stuff. <laughs> I already have coot decoys. Also, I like my decoys to look realistic, so. I want it like it. Maybe the ducks would. I want it though. Sure. So you like your decoys to look realistic, but you just call with your <laughs> mouth half the time. That makes perfect sense. Hey, calling is nowhere like they're okay. We're going to get into this then. There is an overemphasis in calling in duck hunting today. And in a, at least where I'm at and some other spots too. You know, I mean, you go out there, you can hear how many people just nonstop highballing, nonstop hell calling if you shut up, the birds are going to come in. You only need to call to get their attention, call in the corners. I mean, too many people think you got to, you know, you got to call like you're in a duck calling contest, and that's not the case. And even though, you know, the world, some of the world's greatest uh, duck hunters or call, you know, duck call manufacturers, 
Fred Zink, uh, Phil Robertson, they've all said similar things like a duck won't place in a duck calling contest. And, you know, what's more important, the spread, the location, the hide, all those things are way more important than being able to call. So, and, yeah, you so know, ducks are just like, like people. They all have different voices. So as, as long as you're in Nebraska location, oh. then the calling doesn't matter. No, it goes into your scouting. You want to try to be as close to the X or find places where you think the birds are going to be that time of year for whatever conditions you're at and whatever like kind of birds you're hunting. In Nebraska, just they're like all over the place. No. <laughs> <laughs> all the X's are in Texas. Ask Thomas. <laughs> it does seem like your mouth calling is really only starting the last couple of years. So I'm curious, have you always done it? Or did you just start doing it? No, I've, I've always done it a little bit. It really picked up when, you know, you're worrying about camera gear. Like, oh, I can make sure my camera's on and the tap the shot cam and all this other crap. So it's like, I don't have time to reach down and grab my call. So I'll just mouth call. And more times than not, it actually does work. I mean, not for you that time, Thomas, on that uh, Affleck deck you just saw on your last video. But it, it does, I mean... <laughs> People, I get comments about it a lot, but people, I mean, I've had good success with it. I don't know if it actually works, but I mean, they come in, so. I think so. It, it, it does not actually work. I mean, I've seen you do it probably, I don't know, 20, 30 times of videos now, and not once have I ever Turn. seen a duck, like, actually you, react. You, well, you, you can't, can't tell if they're going to react. in the corner with a mouth call. <laughs> I haven't, I mean, I really haven't tried. I just call to kind of like, it's more of a confidence boost when they're starting to descend or something or coming, like looking at me boost for you. Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. Hey, it, it's not flaring the birds off. It's not scaring them off. So it's not hurting anything. Maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I mean, when you got enough corn under your oh my. voice, you can do anything and they'll still come in. There's no corn in Nebraska. We don't have that here. Uh, no. Uh, deny that there's not corn in the water because there is actually corn in Nebraska, but. No, I've never hunted like that. So yeah. I guess that's not really even hunting. That's baiting Definitely. or whatever you want to call it. That's illegal. Don't do that. I feel like that's a Southern thing. Now sound like Elliot. <laughs> Jeez, we just re- we just resurrected this podcast and we're alienating all these groups of people. I mean, but when you hear about it, I feel like I hear about it like uh, like Southern hunters getting busted for that more than I hear about any other hunter. I don't know if it's like a thing or if it's just uh, maybe the Southern DNR officers are are cracking down. Well, according to a lot of people, you know, from certain geographical regions, we don't need to bait in Nebraska and South Dakota and all the other Midwest states because we can just flood the corn. So we don't we don't need to bait. We can just put water there. Sure. (laughs) And it's just a lot of ducks. So it's yeah, it's not as prevalent as some people would like to believe, nor are heated ponds. But it's more controversial takes, I'm sure there. I hope I hope the Louisiana guys heard that though. Not as prevalent. So there still are. Well, it depends pond. what you consider a heated pond. Like you know, regular Joe farmer or a guide service or anything probably aren't going out and they're buying, you know, like tank water, tank heaters and stuff and keeping stuff open. 
maybe they'll bust open a hole here or there, or now there's there's heated sloughs. I mean, that's just spring-fed, though. I wouldn't really consider that. I mean, it's naturally heated, I guess. It's not really man-made. And then there's, you know, across the country, there's those there's power plants and stuff. Those don't ever freeze. You know, so there's there's a few, sure, but people, you know, you go on forums and Facebook and stuff, and people just say, like, oh, there's heated ponds everywhere and flooded corn and yada, yada, yada. So it's not like that. My management goal one day, I just want to own a property and with a spring on it and build my own heated pond just to ruffle feathers. I think that would be so much fun. <laughs> you going out there, like, show the ter- thermometer the night before, and so I'm like, oh, I got to go stoke the fire in my heater. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You could, uh, you could sit in it, like, with your arms up on the ice, like, 83 degrees. <laughs> I wonder if you could put a hot tub. Like, dig a hole and put a hot tub ground level, and then, like, don't turn the jets on or anything. And then, you know, just so it's a rounded thing. If you could get, like, a bigger-sized hot tub, if you could get ducks to land, like, somewhere in that. I wonder if that would work. I bet you could. I bet you could. Because my my buddy Art, who we had a booth with down at uh, Squad Fest or next to us. He was showing me a video. He lives in South Dakota and a couple of like a week or two after the season, he literally threw out like half a bag of corn in his backyard. And he's been seeing these mallards fly over his backyard every day. And the first day he did it, he made a couple feed chuckles and had about a hundred mallards drop down in his backyard in the middle oh my of the gosh. <laughs> so I bet you could put some food in a hot tub and you'd be able to land them. I mean, they land in rail cars, they're going to land anywhere where they see. Yeah, but I'm not talking like bait it. I'm talking like you take a hot tub and somehow, you know, whatever your power source is for the hot tub, you have that out there. Maybe it's a generator. I don't know. And you bury it in like a middle of a cornfield or something. Can you put uh, the inside of the hot tub yellow so it looks like maybe like get a corn decal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like hydro paint it or hydro dip it with corn yeah, kernels yeah, or something. Like a corn. It just looks like a, a pile of corn at the bottom of the hot tub. It's, it's painted on there. I, <laughs> I bet that would vary from state to state because I know some people will take blue tarps and put them out over ice and hunt birds. Like I've heard that, that, yeah. To give the illusion yeah. of open water, but I know that's also illegal Is in it a really? few that's states. Crazy. So. And then the, yeah. Early they have those there. corn decoys too, where it's like plastic cobs of corn. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> have you seen those? Yeah. Yep. I, can't I wonder if those act that well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they kind of look similar to corn, I guess. But you just—I feel like you'd have to have a ton. One guy. Oh, yeah, I agree. One guy on one of the Virginia duck hunting Facebook pages used to talk about taking yellow degradable paintballs, biodegradable paintballs, oh. and dumping them in all the spots, and said it was completely legal and. He would shoot birds that way, but I don't know <laughs> if that was completely like yes a, or for it real. It seems like morally or ethically wrong, even if it's yeah. I, like, I, I, here's, a, here's another one for yeah, you. What like, if you got a giant silhouette that was a pile of corn? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I would I would not actually advocate for us. I'm just curious if it would work. 
I mean, you could just make like little corn cob silhouettes too, and then you just chuck, I mean, five dozen of those all around your blind, you know, if you have a pit blind or something. <laughs> oh, man. I'd feel so Man, there's all kinds of ideas flying out here tonight. Like, someone's going to be listening to this that has the means, and they're going to be doing this and just shoot the crap out of birds. <laughs> no, we'll probably get, we'll probably get in trouble somehow. <laughs> Stop giving people <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, yeah. That's all I have on my list. I was hoping Thomas would contribute a little more to the conversation, but well, this was very, very late notice. All right, well, let's get back on track here. We've got kind of went off the rails there for a little bit, but uh, yeah, Jordan, you want to plug all your uh, where you can be found on social media and everywhere else. Uh, sure. Um, I can be found at the duck gun podcast, uh, duck gun chronicles, uh, for YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. But I really don't, I don't really use that much anymore since they're like anti hunter. I'm not, I'm just not as much of a fan of supporting their app. Um, so, or the Chinese government. <laughs> yeah. So I'm more, I'm more, do I do a lot of Instagram right about now. Um, and YouTube videos pouring out all through the month of August. Then all the hunts come out, all the good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, weekly podcast and the Duck Gun Podcast. That's about it. Yeah, so I guess we'll put a plug in real quick here to guys. I should, uh, ch- I should add one more plug. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'll do this one for Elliot. But you guys need to check out uh, the app me and, me and Elliot are working on. We've been working on for years. You guys both use it, Matt and Thomas. Uh formerly known as freelance hunt stats. And then after that, it was known as hunt stats. And now it's going to be known as uh, North America, North American waterfowler. So um, great app. You can track your hunt stats, your hunt stats all year. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can track all your hunts, like a journal uh, weather harvest, and it compiles it. Uh, and we got some leaderboards, which is cool. Um, so jump on there, try to beat Matt. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> yes, please, someone, please beat Matt. I cannot take another year of him rubbing it in about how many birds he shoots. I don't rub it in. I just share. You know, we all share. We all keep in touch during the season and share migration reports and stuff. And you guys just take it as me rubbing it in. You know. I mean, every time you add points, you send us a, a, a picture of your new points total. So I'd say that's rubbing it in. <laughs> So we're gonna. Uh, he's not. He's not a. We'll, we'll have to admit that Matt is not a. Uh, you know how what's what's the saying like uh, humble in victory and gracious in defeat. <laughs> that doesn't describe Matt. <laughs> uh, disclaimer: Matt does actually actually does not send us a text every time. That would be. I think I would have blocked blocked your number by now. That would just be. That. Yeah, I mean that'd make me a kill dependent hunter, and I, I honestly don't care. I just go out because I enjoy it. But yeah, we'll then move to the Atlantic Flyway. No, yeah, I don't. I of Nebraska once. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I do. I hunted that Wyoming four times point, last Matt. year. <laughs> or, or, sorry, Jordan, that is a great point. Everybody who says they're not a kill dependent hunter, I want them to move <laughs> to the Atlantic Flyway, move to somewhere, move to Alabama, move to Georgia, move to the southern end of the Atlantic <laughs> Flyway, and really see if you're not a yeah, kill dependent that's, hunter. It's so true. To be honest, it's so true. Uh, me and Elliot had this conversation 
And I can't remember what the word we came up for because he was saying that he's not a kill dependent hunter too, but it's like, uh, but like it's some, uh, I, I changed it. Like, uh, uh this is the, the phrase we came up to. He's not a limit dependent hunter <laughs> because you got to be shooting birds at some point. You know what I mean? Or it's just, it really is the whole point of duck hunting is to actually hunt and harvest some birds. So it's like, yeah, you got to be doing that some of the time, no matter. I mean, unless you're just like a, a bird watcher. Yeah. But I mean, like I've been skunk, you know, I've gone on skunk streets uh, several weeks before and still seeing birds or, you know, I pa- I'll pass up, you know, hens or whatever. It just, just really depends upon the day. Um, so, I mean, I can go out and not shoot anything and have a great day. It just really depends on, you know, just what happens during the hunt. Sure. I mean, to Thomas's point though, you can go in the Southern end of the Atlantic flyway, you can go whole seasons where it's like that and that's just it. And then your year's over. Well, I mean, I mean, it really, yeah, it depends on the area, but you know, I'm not going to go moose hunting in Nebraska. You know, if you're in an area where there's like, (laughs) there's like maybe there's maybe one moose that moves throughout the state every year. There might be two every now and then, (laughs) but you know, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, that is the definition of apples and oranges. That has absolutely no correlation at all. We're talking about migratory birds, and you're talking about like, well, yeah, you don't shoot seals in Nebraska as well. Like, I'm not going to complain about not seeing moose if I'm moose hunting in Nebraska. It's like it's like people that go duck hunting in Georgia. There's wood ducks. Like, oh no, where? <laughs> You guys know what I mean. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm okay. Yes, Matt. We, we, we know, we know what you mean, but I, I mean the people, yeah, still <laughs> apples and oranges, like people in the, in especially the East coast, like the last three or four years, it's just been plagued by absolutely no weather. So it's like you wait the entire season for one cold front or for, you know, the Northeast to lock up. And when it doesn't happen the whole year, that gets kind of depressing. Like the, just to make the point, it's hard to put yourself in uh, other people's shoes. Like I, I have it honestly, like I'd say pretty average for the whole country. And, and I definitely feel for people that have it a lot worse because we have times where it's like that, but it's, you know, it's hard to put your, it's hard. We can all say that. And we, we hunt a ton. Like we're on the far end of the spectrum. It's hard for us to put ourselves in in the shoes of people, I think, uh, that have like poor opportunity and poor and, and low amount of time to go out there, you know. Um, yeah, and you know, like the average hunter goes out, like average duck hunter, I think, is like three hunts a year, seven ducks shot or something. You know, like I, I don't care. You shoot whatever you want to shoot. You know, as long as it's legal, you're following limits and ethically and all that good stuff. But yeah, it's definitely you know. Uh, we're like you said, we're on the far end of the spectrum. You know, we, we, we live for it. We, we love to do it. We're very passionate about, about it, you know? So, um, sometimes we'll pass up opportunities just, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'll pass up a mallard to shoot a green wing or something. I don't know. That was a bad example. Maybe a green wing to shoot a mallard, I guess, but you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. 
So I guess, uh, yeah, jumping back into uh, these plugs real quick, uh, putting in a quick one here for the Fowlerfront podcast group. Be sure to go check us out. Leave us some feedback. Always love hearing from you guys. Uh, let us know if we should have Jordan back on the podcast or not. Um, and then our fellow Flyway members podcast, Outdoor Limits, with the Outdoor Limits podcast, the MVM show. I got it right this time. Titus from Mid Valley Mercenaries. <laughs> I messed that up the last two times. And then, uh, of course, the Duck Gun Podcast. The uh, what, what would you call yourself? The anchor. The you were the first first Duck Gun. Well, dirt. Yeah, first <laughs> podcast for the Flyways Collective, and then everyone else kind of jumped on. But uh, yeah. yeah, so go check those all out. They're all uh, you know different perspectives and really good topics being covered all across them. And uh, I think we're, yeah, it's about an hour. We'll wrap it up here. And uh, Jordan, any yeah, can parting? I say a closing thought? Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask for. <laughs> good, good deal. All right. Yeah, so I just want to, you know. I have, I have a closing thought. Oh, go know, ahead. Thanks for having me on. Honestly, this was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, I don't think a lot of people know this, but we used to just hang out on Discord a lot uh, over the last couple of years, um, you know, making videos and, and talking about YouTube strategies and all kinds of stuff. So um, it was fun to kind of get the band back together for this one. And um, and also, like, the number of times I've had you guys on my podcast combined is, like, what? Almost, like, 20? And yeah. so... Ooh, probably, like, 30, close to... I don't know. I think, what? Somebody tallied it up for us at one point, and Matt was the number one guest at, like, 12. I'm sure, Thomas, you're pretty you're pretty high up there um as well so <laughs> both have been on there quite a few times um but yeah so it was a lot of fun yep at least we can do to have you on and so definitely look forward to doing it again soon hopefully yeah, oh, yeah. so in the meantime uh bring on hunting season but uh that's all we have for you guys thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one